0: You is one, who one, who one, who one, who one who Good morning. Good to see you this morning. If today is your first time at First Saw, that we're so glad that you're here, and uh, glad to just spend a moment with you, worshiping with you. And uh, we would love to give you a gift this morning for being here. Um, if today is your first time, uh, we'd love uh, if you would on your way out stop by our orange tent outside. We'd love to do Chick Fil A for you this this week for lunch, and love to just meet you real briefly. Those of you that are joining us online, we are glad you're here too. Glad you're worshiping with us. And if you're new to First Charlotte online, uh, text the word connect to the number on the screen, and we'll mail you that gift this week. And uh, if you have your Bibles today, take them and turn them to the book of Luke chapter 22. We've been in a series looking at Luke as he paints Jesus, as he shows the servanthood side of Jesus throughout the book of Luke. And so we're landing to playing today. This is the last message as we get in and get ready for the Christmas season and our our study on on Jesus coming um, and so forth uh, with that. Um, We have had so much over the past just even week of, of ways that you church family have served Um, One of the things that we want to be known for as a church is a church that serves uptown in Jesus' name, that we serve this city, and that we we display that heart of Jesus. And there's been some big ways that we've got to do that. Just yesterday, we had a group of men serve at a local church, a a sister church of ours that is going through in the Noda area, uh, just up the road, Plaza Baptist Church, um, that is going through a revitalization. New pastor, young guy, and had just a group of guys that are trying to help uh, give that church a facelift. And um, so we had a group of guys serving there yesterday. Um, We also had Friday night, we had a a big concert here. Uh, This place was full um, and it was awesome. Uh, We have also, as you know, we have coming up this next week, Operation Turkey Blessing. You have been so generous. This year we doubled our goal of of trying to do Thanksgiving meal for a thousand families in Charlotte. And uh, we obtained the families. uh, We obtained resources from you uh, to help with that. And uh, then we ran into a huge snag. I don't know if you know this, but there's like a national turkey crisis. Uh, um, There's like, there's not enough turkeys. And so we didn't have anybody up until last week that would sell us turkeys. And we're like, but it's for a good cause. They're like, we don't care. You're not our biggest customer. So we're selling our biggest customer, like Harris Teeter and Walmart, all these turkeys. We're not selling them to you. And uh, so we struggled. We we were really concerned. We only had like a commitment for like uh, 100 turkeys. And, you know, I know Jesus can, can take just a few fish and a few loaves of bread and feed thousands of people, but, but uh, we need turkeys. That was with fish. And so um, we began scrambling, really praying. And, man, by God's provision, he provided all of that this week. So this week we will have the opportunity to serve, um, man, a ton of people uh, here in Charlotte. And the Lord has connected us with some people that really need it. And so thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Uh, in that manner. We also need your help for this. So, Friday, if you are available Friday from noon to three, that is our big time uh, to put all this together. Uh, So, we're doing some distribution throughout the week, but Friday from noon to three, uh, we are, we're going to be here at the church, and we're going to be putting turkeys and green beans and all the other stuff that goes with that. And then at 3.30, we have a car line coming through. Um, that that we're going to serve. And so if you want to be a part of that, we need your help. So if you are available Friday from noon to 3.30, we would greatly appreciate it. We will put you to work immediately and uh, and be a blessing to a lot of people. Also, today after church, we have um, a packing party for Operation Christmas Child. Hundreds of boxes that we're packing together. So hang out with us. We've got food available. Hang out with us for that. Uh, And then lots of other stuff going on and happening. Let me tell you about something that happened to me not long ago. Um, kind of all in one day, uh, had a day off, um, and, uh, had some things planned with the family at night. So I had a lot of things I was going to accomplish that day. was working on a project. So, the, so, uh, before I did that, I, I had to deal with, uh, you know how you have to, like, you have a bill issue or something. You got to call customer service and deal with that. You need to get that handled. Um, and so it was kind of the husband's responsibility. This one I called and, um, called in customer service was on hold for 30 minutes. And, uh, and then it just all of a sudden hung up. Don't you hate when that happens? Have you ever had that happen? I was so angry, so frustrated. I was like, forget it. We'll just worry about it later. I'm going to move to the next project that I got to get accomplished. And I needed a part for something I was doing. And so I had to go to the hardware store. And when I go, I mean, I'm not a person that frequents hardware stores a whole bunch. And so I never know where anything is. So I go in the hardware store and I'm looking for this one particular thing. And I, I, I search for it for a little while. I can't find it. And so then I go find somebody that can help me find it. And I'm walking all throughout the aisles looking for somebody uh, that works there. Finally, I found not just one somebody. I found a bunch of somebodies that are all like, it's like everybody that works in stores all in one place. And, uh, and so I kind of walk up to them and I can see that they're in a conversation, that they, they're, they're talking through something. So, I, you know, p- kindly and politely just wait for my opportunity and kind of hope someone will see me and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but they don't. And uh, so I begin to kind of eavesdrops in on this conversation. And it is not an important conversation. It is, it is about all sorts of different things. Like they're, they're laughing and cutting up and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for an opportunity now to interrupt. And, uh, and that did not present itself because they had talkers. And they were talking the whole time. And so finally I go, <clears throat> finally somebody looked over and they say to me, you need something? and like, like please don't judge me I really feel bad for it I said I need some service what I said and so I told them what I had and they uh, told me oh actually we're out of that we don't have any of those things so gosh I waited all did all this and so later that afternoon a family gets together and we go to a restaurant and after we're seated we wait and wait and wait finally someone comes up to you and says anybody waited on you? no Nobody's waited on us. What, what can I get you for drinks? And so we give our drink order and, and we wait and wait longer and wait longer. And finally, our drinks are brought up to us and the person brings them out and leaves. And then we wait and wait. And then finally, someone comes and takes our order and then we wait and wait and wait. And as I was leaving that restaurant that night, I thought to myself, um, we, we were all a little bit frustrated, but I said, Man, does anybody know how to serve these days? Whereas customer service, gone? I mean, do people know how to serve? Now, context of all of this, over the past eight weeks we've been looking at a sermon series in the book of Luke of Jesus as the servant, okay? And here I am so utterly frustrated and angry that I was not properly served that day. And in the moment of saying that and being frustrated, it was almost like the Lord said to me, do you know how to serve? Everyone likes to be served. Everyone loves to be the center of attention. Everyone loves when they roll the red copper out for you, when, when people attend to your needs. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I love it. I love it when, when I am somebody's big deal. I love it when, when things are prepared for me. I love it when people think of me and do things for me. I love when people give me attention and help me out. I love when I am thought to be a big deal and other people treat me like a big deal. But Jesus... He's not so much concerned about how we are served in our lives. But he wants his people to be servants. He wants you and I to display a heart and an attitude of who he is. A servant. Now, just in case you thought I was a bad guy, it, wanting to be served and wanting to have great customer service and wanting to be thought of a big deal. I'm not the only one. In Luke chapter 22, the disciples on the heels of one of the most significant moments that they have in their ministry with Jesus uh, feel the same way. So the night of Jesus's arrest, the night before he's crucified, there was a really special event that took place in Luke chapter 22. The Lord's Supper, the upper room, Jesus brings his disciples in and they have this incredible time together this this symbolic thing that Jesus does with wine and bread to display what he's going to do for them but he dropped something on them that night that they were not expecting and that they had not heard before this evening and that was that one of you is going to betray me and it really upset the disciples I mean, they had been for three years with Jesus and knew that they were getting to something really close and special coming up. And then Jesus drops this on them. One of you guys sitting around this table right now is going to betray me. You're going to turn your back on me. You're going to betray me. And that upsets the disciples. In fact, it tells us at the, in Luke 22 that they begin to argue about who it is. They begin to like point at each other because certainly all of them thought what well, you and I would think, it's not me, it's not me. Well, it's got to be one of them. They, they knew everything Jesus had predicted has always come true. So when they know someone's going to do it, so they start doing what you and I would do. Who is it? Who is he talking about? And it gets so awkward that it becomes vocal and they begin to say, listen, it's not me. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not me. And they begin kind of this, this comparing game with each other. Like defensive with each other to, to explain it's not me. And so I'm like, Andrew's like, it's definitely not me. Like, all the times that we were with Jesus, I was bringing people to Jesus. It's certainly not me. And Peter's like, it's definitely not me. Guys, I was the one that walked on the water with Jesus. And John's like, it's not me. I'm his best friend. Like, I'm closer than all you guys. It's definitely not me. And Jesus addresses something he has addressed with these men over and over and over. And in Luke 22, he addresses it for the last time. I want you and I to hear what Jesus says, because the same argument, the same discussion, the same worry is something that is in our lives too. In a world of comparison, in a world of rank and position and title and prestige and popularity and wanting to be served and wanting other people to do things for us of comparing ourselves to other people we need to hear what jesus says to these men because he says it to us so draw your attention to luke 22 beginning in verse 24 would you stand in honor of god's word this morning Verse 24, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader is one who serves. For who is greater? Is it one who reclines at table or the one who serves it is not is it not the one who reclines at table but i am among you as one who serves you can be seated this is one of many times that Jesus interrupted the disciples with a discre- argument that they were having about who is the greatest. We looked a few weeks ago at Luke chapter, chapter 9 when the argument kind of arose from them about who was the greatest. Matthew chapter 20, there's this situation very similar to this one, but, but John and James's mom, like your mom gets involved, comes to Jesus and says, hey, uh, so can my sons sit at your right and left hand? Like, can they be the closest one to you? I mean, and Jesus addresses it there, and he addresses it here, and he addresses it for the last time. And his point is, Jesus wants his men, his people, his disciples, his followers to be servants. Jesus wants you and me to serve, to be Servants. But servants, what Jesus is wanting, is, is not just a thing to do. It's a person to be. And he explains that in verse 25 by, by, by using a modern illustration for them. And notice what he says, "The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them." Now something that was new for their culture was this Roman Empire that had overtaken the Jewish empire, the Jewish uh, nation. And so they were seeing this Western rule over them. And one of the things that was new to them was this class system that they had. And there was really only two classes. It was the have and the have-nots. And most people were have-nots. But the haves were rulers and soldiers and leaders. And so the way the world worked at that time, especially in this Western system, in in this Roman Empire, was that basically everyone's job was to serve and do what the emperor said or Caesar said and the local officials that worked for him. And so as long as those people are happy, life is good. And when they ask us to do something, we've got to because that's just the way life works. They looked at these men as great men, as leaders, as political leaders and so forth. And the, the thing that they did which might sound somewhat familiar, is in these high-ranking positions, they were the greatest. And everyone else served them. But these also great, which sounds really selfish, these also great men did things for people. They served people. And many of them were seen as men of the people, and they did many projects that benefited people. It was kind of this give and take that made things in this culture work really well. I mean, if you're just a jerk to people, eventually they're going to give up on you and turn their back on you. And the way the Roman Empire was able to hold the, this class system and this high-ranking profile above all of these lower people is that they were benefactors to people. They did things for people. And so they built this massive road system. They built tons of aqueducts that provided water and resources. They did things for people. And they were seen as men of the people. Men are great leaders. They, they do good things for us. From their position, they help us and they serve us. Jesus uses them as an illustration to teach this. Service is not, being a servant is not just a thing we do, it's who we are. It's not about position, it's about the person that you are. So he says in verse 26, not so with you. Instead of like that where you're just a a good person or whoever you are that serves people from time to time and does things to serve people. That's not what Jesus is looking for us. He's not looking for us to just be what we want to be and be how we want to be and occasionally serve people and help people. He's not looking for us just to be good Christians that that sometimes do things for certain people and, and are kind and Caring and charitable and so forth. That's not what Jesus is looking for us. He's looking for us to be servants. So he says, But not so with you, rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader who it serves. Something that they did understand that was part of their culture was this idea of ranking within family the greatest be the youngest. He's speaking of family ranking. So in the Jewish culture and society, the firstborn was the most important child. And from there, it went down the the line. And so when it came to inheritance, the firstborn got the most, second a little bit less, third a little bit less, and it just went down the line. When it came to decisions and power and leadership over a family, the oldest was always in charge and was the leader. And Jesus says, I want you to be not like you're the oldest, but like you're the youngest. A leader, and real leadership, as he says, is one who serves. Jesus flips the table. He's calling for a different perspective. It's not about rank and about position. It's about a perspective of who you are. You know, Jesus really isn't about that. He's not really about titles and prominence and positions and age and experience. We are, though. We live in a world where all of us have a title when it comes to job. We're all in some sort of class system and somewhere along the, uh, the, the spectrum. We, we all think, think there are certain things that, that give us the ability to be served or, or put us above other people. We see how we rank in that. And, and there's this mentality, this thought in our society and culture that you got to move up a little bit. We got to have a little bit of upper mobility in our lives. That we, we need to move up from, from where we were to, to where we are now. And, and one day we hope to be here so that we have certain weight and can have certain things and deal with certain issues and have people doing things for us. We, we carry the weight. And when you think about it, at a restaurant, we love those sort of situations because ultimately we're in charge in that situation. We're the one with the pocketbook, we're the one that's going to pay, we're the paying customer. And so we ought to receive good service. We ought to receive good food. That's kind of a, a weight that we carry with people. And Jesus is not really about that. He doesn't care who you are, where you are, what status, what class, what culture, how old you are, how young you are. And none of those things get anything with him. Jesus saved us not because we were a certain age or had a certain experience or because we did certain things. Saved us because we didn't. Because we were in need, lost. And there was none of us that could do anything. To save ourselves and to get ourselves close to him. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. He just reminds us, Consider your calling, brothers. Many, Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish of the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame strong. God is not about position. God is not about power. Why? Because he has all of the power and all of the position. There is not anything that God needs from us. There is not anything that we can do to impress him. And that is fine by him, because he's here to serve us. He takes on this position of a servant himself. To save us. And he didn't do it because we convinced him. It didn't do it because, oh man, these could be some really good people. These could be some great warriors for me. These could be some people that they're kind of getting it right and doing it right. So I'm going to save them. No, no. He saves us because we are worthy, worthless. He saves us because we have nothing to offer. He saves us from who he is and what he is. You see, it's not about just this high and mighty, authoritative, powerful God doing nice things for us. Taking an act of service and doing something for us poor, peasant, lost, lonely people who are hellbound. He saved us because of who He is. Servant. the bigger you are and the bigger you think you are the harder it is for you to understand your need of the one who came to serve I think that this is a problem with many of us is that we we think we have something to offer and in our culture and society like like we got it pretty well off, y'all. I mean, we really can take care of ourselves in a lot of ways. I and mean, we live in the most powerful nation in the world, the wealthiest nation in the world. We're all pretty well off. And if we're sick, we get medicine. If we're bored, we can do something. We're very self-sufficient people. And in our self-sufficiency and our strength and our power, we don't see our need for a savior. You cannot be saved unless you realize I got nothing to offer. You cannot be saved unless you realize I am lost and dead. You cannot be saved unless you realize there's nothing me that makes me worthy We get that as those of us who have come to faith in Christ that it is by grace. It is a free gift. We cannot earn it. That is the heart of the gospel. But we lose that and we forget that. As if there all of a sudden is something we can do. As if there's something that makes us special amongst other people. Causes us to view other people in different ways and look at ourselves as people who need to be served. Greatness is not defined by how many people serve you How many people work for you? What people think about you? How well people think of you? Greatness is not defined by how many people that serve you. It is defined by how many people you serve. That the leader be as one who serves. The greatest among you be the youngest. It's not just a thing you do. It's not just an act of charity. It's who we are to be. It's a person to be. And it's not just a command. It's not just something that Jesus just tells us to do. Listen, it's who he is. Jesus explains it a different way in verse 27. He takes it a little bit more personal. He says this in verse 27. For who is the greater one? One who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? Now, what Jesus is saying is just kind of put this in more modern understanding. I mean, we understand this. Like, So at a restaurant, when you go to a restaurant, who's the person with all the leverage? Well, it's supposed to be the person with the pocketbook. It's supposed to be the person that comes in who's going to pay for the meal. And so we sit down, and we're seated at that table, and a person comes up to us, sometimes with an apron on, sometimes with a a little little pad. And and their job is to make the person seated down, who has the pocketbook in their back pocket, has the credit card or the cash, to make that person happy. Okay? So the position of power, the position of greatness in that moment is the person who is seated. And the person who is standing is to serve the person who is seated. I love it. I would, I would eat at a restaurant every meal just because of that moment and that experience of being served and being the person in power and the being the person that other people are trying to make happy. And that's really the ultimate goal of a restaurant. The person serving is to make the person sitting happy, okay? Because the person sitting is greater because that person is the customer they're going to pay that day. And if we can do the job right, if we can do all the things well, if we can make this person happy and feed them their food and give them everything, then not only are they going to pay for what they receive, they're also going to leave a little tip or a bigger tip because of the wonderful service that they received from this servant. And so Jesus is saying, So who's the greatest in the situation? It's the person sitting, not the person serving. Now, then Jesus says, But I am among you as one who serves. Now, here's what's ironic about that, okay? Who has the biggest pocketbook in the world, in the universe? God. Who has more power and prestige and fame, strength? No one's greater than him. When it comes to titles, think that King of Kings and Lord of Lords is Pretty high title. So there's no one that is more deserving of that place of sitting than Jesus because he's got all the power. Jesus says, I am the one standing. Every other false religion in the world. Demonic, fake, false, satanic religion in the world teaches it the other way around. Our job is to serve God with the hopes He'll give something to us, with the hopes He'll let us go to heaven, with the hopes that He'll bless our lives, with the hopes He will reincarnate us, with the hopes that we will appeal Allah. In every other world religion, we are the ones standing to make the big, fat, happy, big God happy. And the better we do at that, the more standing and the more we get from Him. Let me tell you, that is not the one true God. That is not the, the God that is revealed in Scripture. He is mighty and powerful and awesome. Worthy of fear and reverence. But he stands and serves us. Amen. Jesus came such. Left his throne in heaven and came here. And put himself on a cross. And allowed himself to be spit on and betrayed and cursed at and beaten and lied about and backstabbed and killed to serve us salvation. He stands while we sit. It's who he is. It's what he's done, and it's what he still does today. Nothing's different than that day, that night on the cross, that day on the cross. Even right now, every day of our lives, even this moment, God, his son Jesus, stand for us. Stand to service, stand ready to service. That Jesus makes himself available and he he comes to us every day to give us the help that we need and the strength that we need and the wisdom we need that there's nothing that we can't take before him and there's nothing that we can't ask of him. He serves us still today. And Jesus wants those who follow him to be just like him. Just like that. He wants us to serve. He wants us to be people who are servants because that's who he is. You cannot follow Jesus. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and consistently walk with Jesus and not learn and develop the heart of servant. It's what he wants in us. If you're going to follow him, then you and I are going to have to build that heart and allow him to build that heart in us. It's not just a thing to do, it's a person to be. It's not just a command, it's who he is. He wants us to be servants as well. I want to make this really clear that I don't think this means that we we think less of ourselves. So what Jesus is saying is like you, you, you need to go give up your titles and you need to go give up your classes, you need to go give up uh, uh, up all the prestige and the popularity and the position that you have. So let's all go quit our jobs and let's all go say man we're nobodies we're nothings we are the, we are the least of these we, we need to be a nobody. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not th- saying think less of yourself. I think he's saying think of yourself less. Because when we think of ourselves less, we have the ability to think of others more. We are less worried about what we're going to get, what we're going to be thought of, and what we're going to be able to achieve, and what people are going to do for us. More concerned about others, we can develop the heart of servant. And one of the things i found in, because I'm not a great servant. You can just ask my lovely bride. And what I've found helps is praying for people. You know, if we're honest, that a lot of our prayer life, a lot of our time where we talk to God, we bring things before God, it's, it's very much about us, like asking him to do things for us. And he allows that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you can ask God to do for you. And sometimes he'll say, I'm on it. And sometimes he'll say, no. And sometimes he'll say, wait. But To use the time to, to, to think less of ourselves even in our talking to him and to think more of others. I, I've, I've, just, I, I've learned that when I begin praying for someone, you know what happens? I begin caring about that person more. When I, when I begin praying for other people's needs, it's, it's amazing how God turns my heart to to like want to do something to help that person in their need. Who who do you pray for? Does your time talking to God, does it re- is it really going before Him with other people in mind? Or is it about you? And just to put it into practice. You got it, you got a day left. You got an afternoon, evening left. I mean I've already got plans this afternoon. I gotta get a nap. I gotta get a nap today. I gotta get a nap. I gotta watch the Cowboys hopefully not lose again. And the same for the Panthers. Got Cam back. Gotta watch that. I gotta eat lunch. I gotta eat dinner. I gotta do some things. But how am I going to serve? And each and every day, God gives us an opportunity to, to approach this day as one to be served or one to serve. You know, Jesus said in a similar passage in, in Matthew chapter twenty-four: For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Every day we have the opportunity when our feet hit the floor to say this day is about me. This day is about what I want to accomplish, what others can do for me and getting where I want to go and being what I want to be or to take on a different perspective. This day is about others. This day is about someone else. This day is about using who I am To serve him and others. Who Jesus was. And it's who he wants us to be. Servants. And are you? There's a lot of things that we can do and we can accomplish for Jesus. But this heart of a servant. I don't think there's anything that reflects more in this world. You know, Jesus told us that we're to be light of the world. I don't think there's anything that shines brighter than his heart of service when it's seen through us. I'm not knocking other things, but like you can know the Bible back and forth. You can be really great at apologetics. And social issues and political issues, and know how the Bible speaks on those things. Man, you can be a great teacher. You can be, there's a lot of things you and I can be. And Jesus was those things. Over and over and over and over, we see that serving people wasn't just something Jesus did. Christmas or when charities came ringing it was who he was and it's who you should be as his follower and who I should be as his follower as one in this world that serves people love customer service people love to be served People long to be served. So let's serve. Because behind that need to be served, ultimately the need for the one who came. To seek, serve, save, lost. Let's serve. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for serving us. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we've done to earn it. There's nothing we can ever do to be worthy of it. How amazing your grace is that you, you serve us at the cross and and yet, how 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 wide your grace is that you continue to serve us every day. You call us to be your servants. And our command, as your servants, is to serve this world you love, the lost that you love, and the least of these that you loved. truth of the guy we're not like that a lot I'm not like that a lot teach us to serve open our eyes to to the needs of people around us help us to see past our own noses us to move further down on our priority list and for you and, and those you call us to to move up on your pri- our priority list we have a world that is hurting and that is lost and we live in a city full of it in many ways full of itself We contribute to that, Lord. But you've also saved us from it. You've given us what this city needs. You've given us what our community needs. You've given us what this world needs. You. So may we serve people and as we do serve you. Serve your your grace and your mercy, your, your cross and your gospel, your truth, your love compassion, help. As you came to serve, may we follow you by serving. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.